Hey everyone, Jeremy L. Jones here, author of Runes of Empire. We are, as of this recording, a little over a week into the pre-release campaign for the second book of this podcast, Templum Veneris, which is set to be released on November 18th. We are a little over 25% funded now, and thank you so much to everyone who has already contributed. We are still have a long way to go, but the few initial days have been extremely encouraging. Uh, the campaign runs until October 25th, so if you'd like to contribute, go to kickstarter.com and look up Ruins of Empire. Everyone who throws in even a dollar gets their name in the print edition of Temple and Venerous. There are also options to pick up the ebook and the autographed print copies before they go on sale on Amazon. So if you'd like to contribute, again, that's kickstarter.com. Search for Ruins of Empire. And now, for the final story in the Darkness of Titan series. This is a set of short stories set in the time leading up to the events in Saturnius Mons. In the last story, life continued on Titan, even though the colony was now completely cut off from Earth. The people divided themselves into two separate groups, depending on what side they supported during the rebellions, and the group on the losing side was forced to work in the dangerous refineries until a mysterious figure showed up to lead them to freedom into the forests. And now, sit back and enjoy the final story in the Darkness of Titan series. Final instructions. Companio left ten instructions to Samuel Hillman, the first Houston of Titan, and I have lived my life by them. I may seem cruel, but I do what Companio demands. The first rule the Houston gave us the refineries must not fail. They must stand forever as a testament to the greatness of the Companio. If the refineries fall, Titan is doomed. My team received word that there was a pocket of the traitors, the Perfenduloi, hiding in the forest beyond the walls of Lagaya City. The three of us trudged through those frozen woods, careful not to let the cold snap of a twig or the rustle of frozen leaves give our position away. The light from the rising sun painted colors across the horizon, and Saturn peeked through the clouds to light our way through the trees and brush. As we drew near the suspected encampment, I clutched the bolas attached to my belt. This part of the hunt always filled me with the most fear and the most excitement. Would they run? I hoped so. I relished the thrill and the agility of mind and body working together as I ran those animals down until I had my perfect shot. Or would they fight? I touched the baton which hung on my belt next to my bolas. I loved the rush of combat, but the fighters were getting tougher, stronger, and faster. Or perhaps I'm getting older. As we crept through the forest, I could see the flicker of fire and shadows moving through the light, the second rule the Houston gave us. Companio demands loyalty. One who has turned from Companio will never see Earth. I signaled for my team to surround the camp. On my signal, the three of us would burst out of the forest and catch them all off guard. They might try to run or fight, but there would be nothing they could do in the confusion. We would take them all easily. That is, until the new recruit stumbled and nearly fell. The racket he made was so loud the Companio on Earth could have heard it. The shadows around the fire didn't see us, but they didn't need to. They scattered like rats when their nest is disturbed. I muttered curses and ran into the darkness. Companio filled me with madness that night. It was so dark I could barely make out the filthy animal fur of the Perfenduloi wore, but the sound of her panicked breathing as she careened through the forest, as well as the stench of her sweat and fear, made following her easy. 
As I began to catch up, I pulled the bolas from my belt. I swung them over my head, waiting for her to make a mistake. When she stumbled into a clearing, I released the bolas. She screamed as she tumbled into the leaves and brush. I was on top of her in moments. She tried to fight me, so I pulled my baton and struck her across the face. That did nothing, and she continued to fight me, so I hit her again. I don't know what happened after that. Perhaps the wrath of the Compagnio worked through me, or maybe in my fervor to do their bidding I lost myself. I know that I beat her till she stopped fighting and only cried. And, even after that, I continued until she barely made a sound. When I finished, I stood up and wiped the blood from my baton. She was injured, but still alive, so I made her stand and bound her hands with leather straps. I was careful not to hurt her. I am not a cruel man, but she cried anyway. The third rule the Houston gave us, those that turned against Compagnio shall be perfunduloi. Their debt is great and must be repaid. I dragged the perfunduloi woman back to the fire where my team had already gathered. She was limping and moved slow, which caused my anger to rise again. But as much as I wanted to, I did not strike her again, for I am not a cruel man. They managed to capture three more, two men and one woman. They cried out and screamed curses at us, but I was at peace. We bound their legs to each other so they could walk as one. As I worked, I whispered the fourth rule in one of their ears. The debt requires labor. Those who have turned from Compagnio but paid through blood and toil will return to earth. Their souls are pure. As we began our journey back to the city, I saw the first light of the sun peek through the trees. It was feeling warmer already, and I was looking forward to the next several days when the sun would warm the moon. I imagined how it must be on earth. The ancient tales of places where one can roam without heavy clothing or indeed any clothing to protect one from the cold. There are places where the water is so pleasant one might even bathe in a lake or even an ocean. The thought made me smile as I followed behind those we captured. Because of my work, my place on that perfect world was secure, and, so long as these people tended to their duties, so was theirs. How could I be cruel when my actions would create so much happiness? The fifth rule the Houston gave us. Most blessed are those who lead Perfunduloi to the Compagnio. They are wise protectors and mechanics for broken spirits. I was lost in thought when the movement in the trees caught my attention. I gripped my club and scanned the forests as we continued our march. There were no other camps that I was aware of. My team drove most deeper into the woods over the last few days. In the brief moments before they scattered... I was sure I counted five Perfunduloi in the camp we had just raided. That meant that there were three of us, and two of them. They would not dare attack us, not even to free their people. The sixth rule the Houston gave us. Cowardly are those who turn away from the Compagnio. They are led by lies and false promises. Do not fear them. Do not let anger fill your heart. Pity them, for they will never see earth. Although they were cowards, the desperation of the Perfunduloi made them unpredictable. I should have seen them coming or heard them surround us, but I was unaware until they attacked from two sides. A shadow fell from the sky onto one of my team members. Before I could come to his aid, another fighter leapt out of the forest to attack my other comrade, the same recruit whose carelessness caused this trouble in the first place. I pulled my baton and rushed to the aid of the young recruit. I raised it in the air and yelled, Stop! Get off of him! I don't remember if I got all the words out before the world turned black. I woke up in darkness. The back of my head hurt so much 
I checked for blood. I didn't feel anything wet, but there was a bump the size of my fist, and my whole body tensed in pain when I touched it. I also realized I was mistaken earlier. I counted five in the camp before they ran. There was at least six. The seventh rule the Houston gave us. There are forces that oppose Compagnio, and they will destroy Titan. Do not listen to their lies. Do not serve them, for their way leads to death. I don't know how long I sat in darkness before a small opening appeared in the door. A wooden bowl filled with unidentifiable mush slid toward me. As I crawled towards it, someone said, Why do you hunt us? I smelled what was in the bowl. I lifted it and brought it to my lips. It tasted as unappetizing as it looked, but my stomach grumbled even as I took the first swallow of the thick, bland liquid. Compagnio demands it, I said in between swallows. My sister was one of the ones you captured. The others who were with you, they said that you beat her. Her face flashed in my mind, as well as her cries as she kicked, punched, and tried to escape. I didn't know at the time if I was angry at her or the careless young man on my own squad who caused all this. I was trying to save her, I said. She's hurt badly. They say there is bleeding they cannot stop. I'm sorry, I said. There was hatred in his voice when he replied, They are going to kill you for what you did. I laid down and tried to see the person on the other side, but there was nothing but bright white light. Do what you must. I follow Compagnio, and when I die, I will see Earth. The small hatch closed, and I was left in darkness. Time passed. I don't know how long. The only thing that ever broke the long darkness was the brief moment when the small hatch at the bottom opened, and another bowl of bland gruel slid through. One day, when the hatch opened, I asked the question, When am I to die? Soon, the voice spat. He slid the bowl through the hatch and collected the empty one next to it. How's your sister? I asked. There was a long pause before he answered. Dead. Darkness again. More time passed. I slept when I could and stared into the blackness the rest of the time. One day the hatch opened and, along with the bowl, came the words, You will die in three days. I'm sorry about your sister. Silence for several seconds. I swear I could almost see a face trying to see into the darkness. Yes, well, they would have killed her anyway. What do you mean? I whispered. They have made a deal with those in the city to stop the hunts. They will give us to them, and we will work in the refineries till we die. Those that die will see Earth. The debt will be paid. Another long pause. Tell me about Earth, he whispered. For the next couple of days, we talked for a while, every time he brought my food. He asked questions about the Compagnio and the world our people left behind. He seemed intensely interested in the stories and legends of the past. I was happy to have something to pass the time. Hours before I was supposed to die, my new friend let something slip. I was telling him about the perfection of Earth, and how the Compagnio tried to make Titan into its image. He sighed and said, Well, I suppose I will see it soon. They are giving me to the Urbanoi. I am going to the refineries. The Ninth Rule Compagnio loves us all. Though our lives may be hard, keep joy in your heart and trust in Compagnio. For Earth is a place of perfect happiness, and by following their way, you will return. That's good, I whisper. You will see Earth. Maybe I will be there to find you. 
Yes, maybe, he said. A few hours later, the lock clicked, and the door slid open. I was in darkness so long that the light from outside stung my eyes. It took some time before I saw my new friend for the first time. He was a young perfunduloy with a scraggly beard and dark eyes. He adjusted the mammoth fur around his body and held his hand out for me. He helped me to my feet and said, This is a good thing I've done, yes. If I free you, I see Earth. I will not go to the refineries. I smiled and got to my feet. You have done a good thing. Companio will reward you. He looked both ways and added, You must be quiet. If they hear you, they will kill you and me. He led me through the corridors and through a door. The light outside was dimming, which meant that I was in that place for nearly seven days. Once we got out, I looked back and saw it for what it was, an ancient metal wreck. It looked vaguely like the pictures and carvings of the ships that carried the Companio to Earth many centuries ago, except crushed, broken, and overgrown with creepers and brush. My friend saw me looking at the wreck and said, The elders say it belonged to the Companio. They say the people in the city rebelled. When the last of the Companio tried to escape, Venganto attack and made a crash here. I put my hand on his shoulder. Companio is not dead. The Houston speaks to them, and he will speak highly of you for what you have done today. My friend smiled with pride, and we disappeared into the forest. As we walked, he eagerly asked me more questions about Earth. Is it very cold there? No, I said. The temperature is always perfect. One can walk outside naked if they choose. Are there forests like this one? Of course. But bigger and more impressive than anything here. People live among the lush green trees, eat the fruits of nature, and hunt plentiful birds and animals. One does not need to work. Why would the Companio ever leave Earth? I have no answer for that. So I fall back on a common explanation used by the Houston. Companio is wise, and they have a plan. As we got close to the city, the tallest buildings peeked over the top of the dense green canopy. A little closer and we see the walls being built ever higher to protect those who live inside the city from the wilderness and the evils it contains. My friend marveled at the city in front of him. If Earth is as beautiful as you say, if Companio is as wise is as good as you say, they would want to make everything in the universe as beautiful as Earth. While he was busy admiring the city, I scooped up a rock from the ground and held it in my hand. The final thing the Houston said to the people of Titan... Those who turn away from the Companio will die and become nothing. But believe in the Houston and the Companio, and you will return to Earth when you die. Your soul will return to live forever in that perfect world. I held the rock in my hand, testing its weight. I want very much to see Earth someday, my friend said. You will, I said, raising the rock. I will show it to you now. You've been listening to The Ruins of Empire, The Darkness of Titan, a special release from The Ruins of Empire Project. The Ruins of Empire podcast was written by Jeremy L. Jones and produced by Sean Vincent. Cover art was by Nick Martin. Music was Wounds by Ketza at ketzamusic.com. Licensed under Creative Commons 3.0 license. City of Geeks.
Independent new media produced in Idaho.